Good morning. It's good to be here with you all today and to uh, share God's word with you. Um, I want to say a word of thanks uh, to you all, especially uh, your brotherhood and, and the ones who went to Herod's Creek Baptist Church and helped them with their VBS. I am so thankful for y'all's partnership with them in that. Uh, that, was, that was a real answer to prayer. Um, Brother Rick talked to me back earlier in the year and said, we'd like to do something and help another church. And I said, well, let me see what I can learn and find. And he was praying about it, and I was praying about it. And I was talking to the pastor at Heritage Creek one day and said, are you guys doing VBS? And, and Brother Bill there, he and uh, Misty and I have known Bill and his wife Allison going all the way back to seminary days. And, um, and he said, no, we probably don't have enough. I said, well, could you do it if you had some help? And he said, well, maybe. I said, well, let me get you and Rick together to talk about that. So I'm so glad that worked out and thankful to the Lord for what he did there. I know that was a great encouragement uh, to Herod's Creek Baptist Church to have folks from your church come and help them with that. And I also want to say thanks. Uh, Miss Irene and some of the ladies from here were at the uh, Christmas in August tea yesterday. My wife Misty is on the, the uh, network WMU team that helped plan that. And Miss Irene came in and there was, who else was there? Uh, I'm trying to look around. There you are. Yeah, and over here. Yeah, great. And, and I think that was a great time. I say there was 58 people there and I have to say people because I was there. And it wasn't all women, you know. But, you know, scones and sandwiches and... You know, good food to eat. You know, Misty and them needed help setting up, so I had to be there, right? So anyways, that was a really good time, and they got to hear um, Linda Cooper, who's our state WMU president, and she's also a former national WMU president as well. So uh, Linda always does a great, a great time talking about WMU and, and what they do. So I'm glad y'all were there and thankful for you and that, and just... I'm thankful for this church and the, the mission's heart that you all have uh, as a church. Um, I really appreciate seeing that, seeing the, you know, I'm, I'm doing the thing too, you know, Caleb, uh, watching, the, watching the shoebox thing and, and knowing that y'all are so strongly a part of that. And I was talking with Brad beforehand about Kentucky Changers next year and the possibilities there as our network partners with Changers to help people in the Henry County uh, area with their homes, and so I'm thankful for churches like you all who just have a heart for, for God's mission and for reaching people with the gospel, so thank you uh, for that. Um, today, and, and, and today this sermon, I don't know, I may be preaching to the choir with this sermon with you all because you do have such a heart for missions, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 13, um, which is a, a great book. If you want to read and study about how God moves and, and works in his people and through his people to, to reach the world with the gospel. The book of Acts is a, is a great book to read. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. And uh, we're going to read the first three verses of that uh, chapter. So I'll give you a moment to, to get there in your Bibles. I'm reading from the NIV, but uh, whatever you've got there is, is God's word, right? All, it's all God's word, just a little bit different translations. Um, I find sometimes 
you know, it's good to read a, a passage from several different translations. You may not know the original Greek or the original Hebrew, but if you read uh, a passage in three or four different translations, it can help you uh, to better grasp the meaning of that passage. So um, that's not the sermon there. That's just a freebie, okay? So um, anyways, let's read, starting in verse 1. It says, In the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them out. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, and I just thank you um, again. I thank you, Father, for this church. Um, and, and for how you are at work in their midst and how you work through them uh, to minister to others, to encourage others, to share the gospel in their community and, and beyond their community. I'm just uh, so thankful for that, Father, and I give you the praise and the glory for that because ultimately everything we do in your name and by your power, Father, it's for your glory. It's like the song that we sang at the beginning, to God be the glory. We want what we do, Father, to be for your glory. And so I just thank you for this church. I thank you for the time to be here with them and to worship with them and sing your praises and study your word. I thank you for their pastor, Brother Peter, and for his dedication, Father, to you and your word and, and, and your church here at Smithfield. And, and so I pray your blessings upon, upon Brother Peter and upon Smithfield Baptist Church and their leaders. Uh, I pray that you just bless them and continue to work in them. Father, I thank you for your word and the opportunity uh, to read it and to share it today. I uh, pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, guide each and every one of us, uh, that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open to hear and to understand and to know what you're teaching us and showing us today and how to respond to that, Father, in faith. Father, direct our paths, direct our thoughts. And Father, I ask that you direct me and, and my words and my thoughts as I speak today. Help me, Father, to communicate clearly uh, the word and the message you have laid upon my heart today. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we do a lot of um, getting ready in life. Have you ever thought about how much time you spend getting ready uh, to do something? In the morning we get up and what do we do? We get ready. We either get ready to go to work or we get ready to go to school or we get ready to run errands. We get ready when we get up in the morning, um, we get ready for church, right? All of us came this morning. We didn't just climb out of bed. None of you look like you climbed out of bed and just came here with your bed hair, okay? You all got ready for church this morning, right? Um, we get ready for meetings. Uh, we have to print out copies to hand out. We have to prepare our notes. We have to bring statistics, whatever the meeting's about. We have to get ready for meetings. We get ready for dates. When we're going out on a date, whether we're, you know, single and going on a date with somebody that, you know, we've invited on a date or they've invited us or it's our spouse or it's our children. You know, Misty and I went on a double date last night with another AMS, the, the, the AMS and his wife from down in um, Nelson uh, Association. Uh, Le Leanne, the wife, had contacted my wife. In fact, they talked about it back in the spring, and they set up a time when we just got together and had dinner 
uh, together, and we had a double date. You know, it's so exciting. <laughs> we don't do that often. Uh, so we get ready, and we got ready for that. You know, we had to be ready. Um, we get ready for games. You know, I, I play ball, and, and I always go out and make sure my bag with my glove and my cleats and, and my equipment is in the right vehicle that we're driving in to go to the game. And then I got to get dressed and put on the uniform and all. We get ready for games. We get ready for concerts. You know, we got to have our lighter in our pocket, right? So we can hold it up. They don't do that anymore, do they? They probably hold up their phones, right? <laughs> yeah. So if we do that and we get ready for concerts. If somebody's coming to our house for dinner, we got to cook them a meal, don't we, Irene? We got to get ready for company. And um, if somebody's coming to stay at our house for a while, then what do we do? We change the sheets on the bed that they're going to be sleeping in. And in, in my case, when my parents are coming, Misty always goes, call your parents, you know, because their diet's always kind of changing. They're, my mom and dad are both in their mid-80s, and just every once in a while they'll, they'll say, oh, we can't eat that anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so... She's always like, call your parents, find out what they can eat this time when they come to visit us. And so we go shopping and we get ready to have them come over. We get ready for trips. What do I need to pack? I, I did a bad job. I went on the Honduras mission trip this year. I did not pack till the day before. That's not smart. You know, that's not, that's not the proper way to get ready for a trip overseas, but it, it's what I did this year. But we do that. We get ready. And then at the end of the day, after we've done all of this doing and getting ready to do, what do we do at the end of the day? We get ready for bed. That's right, Gabe. We get ready for bed. So we spend a lot of time getting ready in life. And as I read this passage, it makes me think, you know, there's one thing that we need to get ready to do that's more important than all the others. And that's getting ready to say yes when God calls. We need to be ready to say yes when God calls. And as I read this passage and I look at what the leaders of the church in Antioch did and were doing at that time, I see that they were ready to say yes when God spoke to them. So what can we learn from them in this passage? Well, I see three things. And, and these are going to be my three points. If you're a note taker, these are the three points. Um, one, they were seeking the Lord. Uh, two, they were submitting to the Lord, and three, they were sensitive to the Spirit's leading. So let's talk about that first one. They were seeking the Lord. Um, when you look at this passage, and they had gathered together, verse 2 says they were worshiping the Lord, and um, they were seeking the Lord. Now, oftentimes in church, I remember back in the 80s when I was in high school and college, there was a lot of talk about, you know, what is God's will for my life? Do young people talk about that still, Caleb? Okay, yeah. yeah. A few of us. <laughs> a lot of times people, what is God's will for my life? I'm seeking God's will for my life. Um, I don't think that's what we should be doing. I think what we should be doing is seeking God. Instead of seeking God's will for our life, we need to be seeking God. And when we find God and we follow him, guess what? We'll find what his will for our life is. We'll find the path that he wants us to walk in. We'll find the deeds that he wants us to do. When we find the Lord, we find the way. Amen? And in finding the way, we'll find the will that he wants for our lives. I once 
read about a man. He was, uh, this was in the, in the Middle East somewhere. He was a nomadic shepherd. Um, he had 17 camels and he had three sons and he passed away. And in his will, he said that he wanted his oldest son to get a half of his camels, one half of his camels. And he wanted his second son to get one third of his camels. And then he said he wanted his third son, being the youngest, he said he wanted him to get one ninth of his camels. And so the three sons were sitting there looking at each other at the time that they were going over the will, and, and they're like, he had 17 camels. That's not divisible by two or by three, and certainly not by nine. And so there was starting to be a little bickering and, and misunderstanding. Who gets how many camels and everything? And so finally, what they agreed on was, we need to call Uncle Joe, Dad's brother, because Uncle's a pretty wise man. Maybe he can help us. So they called him up, and, and uh, he hopped on his camel, and he came on over to where the brothers were, and they explained the situation to him. He said, okay. So he took his camel that he had ridden on and added it to the 17 camels so that now they had 18. And he took half of 18, which is 9, and gave it to the oldest son. And he took one-third of 18, which is 6, right? Yes, 6. <laughs> Look at my notes. 6. And he gave it to the second son, and then he took one-ninth of 18, which is two, and gave it to the third son. So nine plus six is 15, plus two more is 17, and then he hopped on his camel and he rode back home. You see, they found the answer when they found the one who was wise. That's why we should seek God, because in, in finding God, we find, find the one who is all-wise and all-knowing and able to show us the way, and like I said earlier, who is the way, as Jesus told his disciples. So when we run into these situations, we need to seek God, and I think that's what they were doing here. They were worshiping that worshiping the lord I, I love the songs that we've sung today because they were focused on the lord they were focused on glorifying him they were focused on knowing him that's why we read the bible it helps us to know god it helps us to learn who he is it helps us to learn his character his ways and his will comes in knowing him uh, i remember going to camp with the youth at the church that i pastored and there was a song that was really popular then. I think it still gets sung from time to time. It, it went, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. I want to touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. My friends, seeking the Lord's will is good, but seeking the Lord himself is best. And in doing so, uh, he will show us the way and it will prepare us. It will prepare us and help us be ready to say yes the second thing I see them doing here is they were submitting to the Lord. It says that they, in verse 2, that they were worshiping and fasting. So fasting is an outward sign that we are submitted to the Lord on the inside. 
when, when you fast, what you're doing is you're like, I'm setting aside something. If it's a food fast, you're setting aside food. Or maybe you're fasting from social media. That's become a thing, right, these days. Say, I'm not going to hop on Twitter X. X. <laughs> I'm not going to hop on X. I'm not going to hop on Facebook. I'm not going to get on Instagram if it's even a thing anymore. I'm not getting on TikTok for a whole day. Okay? Now, it's one thing to abstain from something, but abstaining from something isn't always fasting. Fasting is when you abstain from something in order to seek something else. And, and so with biblical fasting, you set aside food, you set aside social media, you set aside something in order that you might seek the Lord more clearly. And if it's food, what happens is that hunger in your stomach is a reminder to pray. It's a reminder to read God's word. It's a reminder to seek the Lord because you want to know him better. All right? It's also a sign that you're submitted because what you're saying is, Lord, you are more important to me than this thing that I'm setting aside. Knowing you is more important to me than this thing that I'm setting aside, that I'm fasting from. Because I'm fasting from it, and I'm fasting to you. That's submission. I once read um, uh, a Bible translator, a British Bible translator named J.B. Philip, uh, translated uh, the book of Acts. And he did this back in 1955, and he wrote in the preface of that translation, he said this about the first century church. So the church that we're talking about here today. He said, it is vigorous and flexible, for these are the days before it became fat and short of breath through prosperity or muscle-bound by over-organization. These men did not make acts of faith. They believed. They did not say their prayers. They really prayed. They did not hold conferences on psychosomatic medicine. That was a thing back in the 50s, I guess. They didn't hold conferences on psychosomatic medicine. They simply healed the sick. If they were uncomplicated and naive by modern standards, we have ruefully to admit that they were open on the Godward side in a way that is almost unknown today. They had a desire to know the Lord, and they were open to God. They were submitted to God in a way that oftentimes the, the trappings of the modern-day church almost hinder us from doing. I was talking with Brad just before the service, and, and uh, he was telling about a mission trip that he went to Jamaica. And he said, there was all these people in this church, but there was only one car outside. And everybody else in that church had walked. He said there was one gentleman who had walked eight miles to come to church that day. We experienced the same thing on the trip to Honduras. We went to this, this one church, and, and we brought three vehicles. And I think maybe there was five outside the church when it was all said and done. And all those other people, where did they come from? They came on their feet. They walked. They view it as an honor to walk to church so that they can hear the word of God. I said, Brad, how many people do you think would walk a mile or two to church today? 
Like, I don't know, <laughs> not many. <laughs> and that's sad, isn't it? That's sad. How many of you, if cars went away, if, if gas went away, if electricity went away, how many of you would still be here this morning, even if you had to walk a mile or two or three, or you had to hitch up the horse <laughs> and buggy or hop on a bicycle? The church in that day was submitted to the Lord. And if we want to be ready um, to say yes, we need to be submitted as well. Think about some of these stories from the book of Acts. Philip, God said to Philip, go down to that road. And what did he do? He went. And when he got there, God said, go talk to that guy in the chariot. And what did he do? He hopped in the chariot and said, hey, I see you're reading the book of Isaiah. Do you know what you're reading? <laughs> he was submitted. Think about Peter. Peter has a dream, wild dream, bedsheets full of animals. God telling him to get up and kill them and eat them. He's like, I don't need anything unclean. And God says, what I call clean, you don't call unclean. Is Peter here? There's a Roman soldier who wants to talk to him. God says, you go with those guys at the door. And what did Peter do? He went because he was submitted. Barnabas, he was one of those early believers. And before he and Paul ever met up, it tells us a little bit about Barnabas in the book of Acts. All those uh, Hellenized Jews had come in for the Pentecost and they had heard Peter preach and God had changed their lives and they had been saved, three, four, five thousand of them, but they had all left their homes behind. And they had needs, physical needs. Barnabas saw the need and in the need he saw God's call to act. And he sold a piece of property and he gave all the money to the church to meet the needs. The early church, these men here at Antioch, they were submitted to God. They recognized that God was in control. How many of you have ever been in the military? Raise your hand. Any of y'all? Wow, that's interesting. You do... You, Nothing against you all. You know, I didn't serve in the military either, okay? So, so I'm right there in the same boat with you, but it, it's kind of rare to ask that in a church and have there not be anybody. But anyways, you know a little bit about military. You probably have a family member maybe. My dad was in the military. So I'm going to give you a little hypothetical situation here. Imagine, Caleb, I'm going to pick on you, okay? Is that okay? Imagine Caleb joins the army, all right? Somebody's already laughing about that, Caleb. Okay. <laughs> Imagine Caleb joins the army, and he reports to duty, uh, to boot camp, and he walks up to his sergeant, and he says, Okay, buddy. First problem, right? Okay, buddy. I've signed up for your army, but this is how it's going to be. I'm not going to march. I'm not going to do KP duty. I'm not going to clean my rifle. I'm not going to shine my boots. And I'm certainly not going to fight. 
I wear my uniform when I feel like it, and I wake up when I want to. And on top of all of that, when you write the reports about how I'm doing, I want straight A's across the board. Now, how would that go over for Caleb? What's that? You'd be leaving the army immediately. You might spend a little time in prison first, <laughs> but you'd be leaving the army pretty quick. How would it be if we approached our relationship to God like that? And yet sometimes I think in how we do, we are kind of like that. We read God's word and we say, oh, I don't think I'll do it that way, God. I'll do it this other way. That's not submission. Submission is, God, you're in control. You call the shots. I read your word and I obey. That's submission. And these men at Antioch, this fasting was evidence of their submission. And, and also, in addition to the fasting, evidence of their submission is what came next. They were sensitive to the leading of the Lord's Spirit. Verse 3, the Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then they prayed and fasted a little bit more, which I find incredibly interesting, and I don't have time to delve into that, but they had been praying and fasting. God spoke to them, and then they prayed and fasted some more, and they sent them out. They obeyed. They were sensitive to what God was saying to them, and they were able to hear what God was saying to them. How, how can we cultivate that kind of sensitivity? Um, one, we need to be like these men. We need to be praying, praying together as the people of God. Um, I was so thankful and, and privileged that before the service this morning, um, Brad said, let's go back here and let's pray. And he prayed for me um, before this service. I got a text from your pastor, Brother Peter, this morning. Brother John, I'm praying for you and for the church as you uh, go there to preach. Um, people praying for me. We need to pray with one another. We need to pray on our own. We need to read the word faithfully. We need to be in attendance when it's being taught and when it's being preached. Uh, that word is God's words to us, as Peter once called it. It's the words of life. And so we need to be reading it. We need to be memorizing it and meditating on it. Um, we need to... Um, be a part of what the church is doing together. When, when your church, when, when Brother Peter stands up here or maybe Brother Rick or, or Brother Chad or somebody says up here, this is what we're doing as a church and we need help with. You don't need to stop and think, hmm, I wonder if that's for me. Right? You don't need to stop and think that. God is working in your church, and this is what he's doing, and these are the tasks that need to be done, and he's made you a part of this church. So add 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2, because I had four things there, right? Add them all together, and it means God is speaking to you in that call to be a part of what he's doing in your church. When God calls, we need to be ready. And and it doesn't need to be a big thing. In fact, oftentimes God starts us out with little things, doesn't he? Think about the parable of the talents. 
the amount of money he gave them wasn't a lot. But in one of the stories, what did they end up with? They were put in charge of a city or more. Misty and I know a young man um, went to the church where I pastored. And um, there was a group at that time that traveled around singing at churches. I think, what was it called, Misty? Truth or something like that? Yeah, Truth. Some of y'all may have heard of it. This guy's dream at that time was to audition for that worship team and, and get on that worship team and travel with them singing in churches. I said, that's great. I said, um, you can start working towards that by singing with our choir. And he said, no, that's not really for me. I'm like, you know, if you're not ready to do what God asks you to do in the little things, how can you expect him to open the doors for you in the big things? You know, being ready to say yes for, for that task may start with being say, saying yes with this task, which is smaller and simpler. It's not a big deal to go, you know, buy a shoebox, or the shoeboxes are provided, but to go buy the things to put in it, provide the, what, seven bucks, or is it eight bucks now to help ship it, you know? That's not a big thing. It's a small thing. But doing things like that might open the door to the next thing you hear from God is, hey, you know, help with BBS or, you know, Go with the brotherhood and help with what they're doing over at another church or hey they're going back to honduras again next year <laughs> i want you to go with them you know the little things each step is a step to the next thing and that's one of the ways that we make sure that we're sensitive um, to what god is doing for us so that we're ready to hear what he's saying i read a story about an old woman who um, was very poor. She lived in poverty. Um, she lived by herself in a little house. She owed more than she could ever hope to repay. And, and not that the amount she owed was huge, but if you have nothing, any amount that you owe is huge to you. And um, she was behind on all her bills. She was behind on her rent. And uh, she was home one day, and there was a knock on the door. And um, she was afraid to open the door because she thought it might be somebody come to collect the rent or the electric bill or the water bill that she was so far behind on. And, and so she just didn't answer the door. And, and the knocking got louder. And so she went back in her bedroom. <laughs> so she was further away from the front door and the knocking got even, even louder. So she got in the closet and shut the door because <laughs> she's like, I can't remember if I locked the door, they might come in looking for me. If I hide in the closet, they won't find me. And so she was hiding and finally the knocking stopped and went away and so she came back out and was there in her house and about an hour later the knocking happened again and she thought you know I can't run away from this forever I guess I ought to go open the door so she opened the door but instead of her landlord being there it was a pastor from the church just down the road and he said hi he said I've come by to tell you that we heard that you are having a tough time financially and that you owed some debts and so a bunch of members of our church got together and collected some money and we have paid off all your debts and I've brought you the receipts so that you have proof to show that your debts are paid 
And we want you to know if there's anything else that we can do to help you, um, we're here to help you. Now, here's the point in that story. When the Spirit knocks, are you ready to open the door? Because in opening the door, you're opening your life to God and his blessings and his activity in your life. But when you hide out in the closet <laughs> or in the back room or behind your schedule, that's how we mostly hide, isn't it? I don't have time. We hide behind our schedules. When we hide out, we miss out. But when we answer, the Spirit's knock on our heart. That's when we experience God's blessings. It begins when he knocks on our heart and calls us to Christ, to have faith in Jesus, the one who died for our sins and rose again. That's the first step. You can't do any of the others until you know Christ is your Savior, until he's a part of your life. Are you here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior? I want you to invite you to receive him into your life. He gave his life for you, that you might have life abundant here and life eternal with him for all eternity and glory. If you don't know Christ today, won't you come and put your faith in him? And if you know Christ, then that knock is an invitation to take the next step. What is he calling you to do? Maybe what he's calling you to do is be better prepared for the next knock. Maybe he's saying, you're not sensitive enough. You're not submitted in everything yet. You're not seeking me the way you should. Maybe that's the next step, to seek him more fully, to submit to him completely, and to be sensitive to hearing his call. What is God calling you to do? What is the knock today in your life? We're going to sing a closing hymn. It's a hymn, a time of response. Um, as God speaks to you, if you want to come up here, I'll be glad to meet you up here and talk with you and pray with you. But if you'd be more comfortable to talking with one of the leaders in your church, I know they would be glad to do that as well. You find them, you talk with them, they'll pray with you. And uh, you listen to God today, and you follow as he calls.